Before we get to the actual extra, a friend of ours contacted us and asked us to look at something that he's been working on. They launched the Kickstarter on September 1st, and he asked if we would promote it if it was something that we were interested in. Turns out we were pretty interested in it. So the following is us talking about it, and then afterwards, we'll get on with the extra. Thanks for listening. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Be Legendary. We've got something a little bit different today. Is it the operatic edition this time? <laughs> it may. Yes, let's go. Let, we'll go with that. So a friend of ours who goes by uh, Cranky Bolt on Twitter, if you want to look him up, also known as Rick Hines. Uh, he is a one of the writers for Geek and Sundry. Rick, Rick Hines is his um, like civilian identity, like Clark Kent. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so um he works uh he does writings for geek and sundry nerdist and a couple other ones i think and he actually did an article for geek and sundry about our podcast or about just the podcasting in general if you're gonna do actual play podcasts and he used our our podcast as an example of how to do it right thank you which we very much appreciated and we were yes, all like you. screaming when it came out like <laughs> i want he actually contacted us uh, not too long ago and was saying, hey, would you guys mind giving a look at this new Kickstarter that we're launching, which is a supplement for or a, a, a world, I campaign, believe. Campaign setting? Campaign, campaign setting. setting, yeah. Campaign setting, the Red Opera. And the Kickstarter is going on right now. They're... Recording in. So they're right in the middle of it. I think it actually got funded like the mm-hmm. like a it couple is, hours. Funded. They are working on some stretch goals now. Yeah, so they've got a lot of stretch goals, and I'll look those up. But uh, Molly, because I'm knee deep in everything right now as far as getting ready for season three, uh, Molly did the homework and she actually like sat down and and looked at the whole thing, and I wanted her to tell us about it. So. What is the Red Opera, Molly? So, yeah, like you said, it's a campaign setting, a, a world setting. But at the same time, you could kind of, like, take this and drop this into anywhere. I could actually see a place for it in the world of the Wild West. Ooh. <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so, the Red Opera is this set, is the setting idea that it has the very gothic tones like victorian gothic or like, just like yeah like like victorian gothic that's kind of like the aesthetic that the author is going for uh nice. and it's all kind of like done in concert uh to this album that is sort of being promoted in tandem with this campaign illustrations yeah the art is beautiful yeah the art is the art is pretty darn great so the the album comes with they have qr codes in the document that you can like scan and it'll take you to the red opera and it's some pretty epic sounding stuff 
So that's really good because I know a lot of people who do D&D campaigns nowadays, they like having like you guys walk into a tavern and then they start the tavern music. Yeah. So it's this immersion that yeah. kind of comes with it. That's really cool. I, I since I'm so uh, auditory focused, having an audible element like that, especially music, like I'm really, really musically, like not musically inclined, but like music is what helps me immerse myself mm -hmm. and so that's really cool that it comes with its own music yeah and these uh each song is supposed to correspond to a different act in this story that oh, they've woven. oh that's so cool uh so this story that they've created takes place in like the northern reaches of the world as north as you can go without freezing to death like like mountainy or just in cold mountainy Cold. Yes, the answer. Yes, yes. <laughs> the answer. Yes, there are these two cities that have kind of like grown together over the centuries to become one massive city. The Shadelands. The Shadelands is the overall like northern area. Oh, here's the map I'm looking for. Oh, I see. So this, it's got like a river between the two cities. Yes. Is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this river between the two cities and these massive bridges span the river. Like those bridges are multi streets wide and like have like- Cities under themselves? Almost? Yeah. Almost cities under themselves. The uh, dual city is called Yonkath. Yonkath. Yeah. Neat. And the dual city is home to an immense number of warlocks. Ooh. Like, and this is this is almost considered like a city of warlocks. Warlock town. Now, is it are they all warlocks for somebody specific or like they all different, different patrons? Different. Oh shit. Ooh. So there exists. Just north of the city, this power source called the Well of Souls. Cool. And the way that it's set up, gods interact through the world through their worshippers and like the sources of belief. They are able to interact with this world because hundreds upon thousands of people like believe in them and worship them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Patrons don't exactly have that. They can't exist on that level. Right. What ties them to this world is the Well of Souls. It's like an entry point to the world for otherworldly beings. Okay. So is that just for this campaign? Like, or is that a kind of an explanation for why warlocks exist, or is that just for this area? It's kind of this setting's explanation for how warlocks exist. Interesting, okay. Now, from the Well of Souls, they are able to reach out to other parts of the world to make deals. However, this is like... That is the... Like the it's like the heart. Yeah, it's the heart of these patrons' power in a lot of ways, because the area around the, the Well of Souls, the entire Shadelands is like this almost in-between space. The walls between the Material Plane, the Shadowfell, the Feywild, and a bunch of other planes of existence are like very thin here. You just mm. know that asshole's been hanging around oh, there. Oh, bit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's known as an area where legends like literally walk the streets. Right. So you're right, we would fit in quite nicely there. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, what sort of keeps this all devolving into chaos and anarchy is a certain individual, King Dorian, also known as the Accursed King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing good comes from people with titles like that. Yeah, right? Yeah, He's kind of... Like, oh, what a nice guy. (laughs) He's kind of like... I almost want to call him, like, the ultimate warlock. Because he is a warlock. However, the way it works is the patrons kind of have to make a deal with him in order to get access Ah. to the wider world. So he's he's a booker. He's a a bookie. He's a bookie, yeah. He's a gatekeeper. He's like a warlock within a warlock. Yeah. And so he is like kind of a guardian on both sides of this well, because not only is he like, you know, kind of gatekeeping the whole patron situation, there's a fuck ton of other people in the world that want that want this thing. Yeah. So not only is it his responsibility to keep the patrons on lock. He also has to keep, like, everyone else from just invading and trying to seize this thing. Right. So he's got kind of a tough job. He's got kind of a tough job, which is sadly kind of driving him insane. And that's kind of where the story for this setting comes in. This is actually a fairly epic level campaign, like tier third and fourth. So we're talking levels... 12 and up, at least. Oh, wow. So you wouldn't want to start this at level one? No. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you could definitely take this world and have your characters play in it up to the point of this story. Story. Okay, that would be a good idea. But yes, this is definitely meant for higher level characters as as shit starts to go down. (laughs) Right. How detailed is the world specifically that you could drop level ones in and just have them mess around for a while. Very detailed. We only have like a partial release at the moment, but just from what I have here, we have intricate lore building for the city and the surrounding areas. Uh, Several characters, including like a captain of the guard, his name is LaCroix. (laughs) Like the water. Like the water. And Dorian's shield maiden fate. She's Fate. Fate. Uh, F-A-Y-T-E. Cool name. That's a neat name. Uh, she is actually the governess of Yonkath. So she is like, she is like the, the manager. She mm-hmm. is the manager of the city. So she's who we speak to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> While Dorian is the boss. Dorian's the boss. Fate is the manager. Oh. Nice. As well as... Setting specific patrons, the one that we currently have is the enigmatic Majin. Majin. Majin? M-A-J-I-N. Who is unique among other patrons as he is sort of just like the embodiment of the Well of Souls. How so? The energy of the Well of Souls is massive and complex to the point that it actually has its own intelligence. So it's sentient. Yeah. Neat. It has its own consciousness. Yes. And that consciousness is Majin. Ah. Okay. And this actually gets us into the the one sort of new mechanic that they introduce to the game, which is 
fairly interesting because something they address is how death Hello. means something very different here. In a world full of go active gods and clerics, death is a very fixable matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> For, you know, go just gold, you can come back. And so there's this idea that death, the specter of death, doesn't hold much sway anymore. Interesting. That's got to piss some death deities off. Well, ones that, ones that I know would not be too happy with it. Then there's the idea of a true death. True death being there is no one left to remember you. Oh. With no one left to remember you, you have no hold on this world. There is no one to bring you back. Your soul has no reason to stay. It moves on. Mm-hmm. And that is represented in a, a unique lore building element that they introduce to help with your character's development, which is a letter. Like a written letter or a physical? A physical letter that each player is to write in character, either to someone or from someone that their character loves. Oh, okay. I love that. These letters are sealed and kept away until one of a couple events. The character dies, which is a high possibility in this <laughs> setting. Cool. In which case, the letter is open, read, and the character is brought back to life sometime in the future of the, of the story. Mm -hmm. However... The idea of the letter being read is a representation of that tie, that binding to this world fading a little bit. And they might not have so easy of a time coming back the next time. Mm. Another instance where it is read is when the characters finish the campaign and they are able to see how far their characters have come since the beginning of the game. That's a cool touch. Mm -hmm. I love immersion stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, that's the kind of stuff that really gets you into the game. And mm -hmm. it also encourages you to do more role-playing, which, if you don't know, on our show is pretty much that's, all we that's do. Kind of, yeah. yeah, we're kind of all about that. And so they offer like tips and help for how to go about writing this letter, what to consider, and they give you some, like, yeah, like I said, tips to mm -hmm. just help you get in the mindset uh, of writing this letter from your character. That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, this setting, uh, still we don't have all of it, and already it's, like, a really rich setting and they have a table of contents here in the uh, draft document. And so I'm looking beyond. And this is a 10-chapter campaign. Wow. Dang. How, how does that compare to... How many chapters are in Strahd? Because Strahd is a pretty in-depth game, too. Uh, so Curse of Strahd is actually a 15-chapter adventure. Okay. But again, you can start that really early. Yes, you can start. Yeah, you can start this from level one and go all the way through. This is a 10 chapter adventure starting at level, level 12, level, uh, level 10, level 10, level okay. 10, a 10 chapter adventure starting at level 10. 
that's that's a lot of content. That's for, a lot of content. For starting and that late. They have they're gonna have an appendix full of magic items, foes and NPCs, new classes, new monsters, and I'm excited to see all this. They literally like met their goal almost immediately. Um, they've already unlocked two of their stretch goals, one of them being Deadly Encounters, and they've also unlocked Killing Time, which adds another Warlock subclass, the Evermore Warlock. So that sounds really interesting, because that's kind of the thing that I really like when you get these types of uh, game settings and, and stuff like that, is I like seeing how you can further customize your character. Now here's a question. Does everybody have to play a warlock? No. Warlocks are kind of... <laughs> they're almost the fighter. <laughs> <laughs> they're almost the fighter of this setting. So, no, not everybody has to play a warlock to start. However, given the deadly nature of this campaign, by the end of it, you almost are. everyone will be a warlock of some kind. Ooh, if anybody gets the if anybody goes through one of these and like determines like not to become a warlock by the end of it, call me and tell me about it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. want I want like I double dog dare someone to try to not be a warlock by the end of it. To do that, they'll have to not die. <laughs> because coming back makes you a warlock of Majin. Oh, <laughs> So yeah, definitely call me and tell yeah, me about Yeah, 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 I want to hear about that. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to their stretch goals. Their next one that they're working on uh, is the performance in Tatters stretch goal. It's when they reach 55,000. As far as the actual Kickstarter, pledge tiers are anywhere from a dollar for the sign your soul. Which is <laughs> good. Um, and that gets you in their Discord. And it goes all the way up to $5,000 as a sponsor. And Do you get to be a Warlock patron at that at that level? At uh, 2500 At 2500 you can become a patron. <laughs> so a sponsor is like a level above. Hey, Chris, can I borrow $2,500? I don't have that on me right now, but uh, if I did, then yes. Okay. So say you wanted to plop this in the Wild West. Well, would it be easier for it to plop us into this? Either way could be very interesting because as I had mentioned, the walls between worlds are kind of thin in the Shadelands. And it could be possible for Tally and Celine to accidentally- Trip and fall. Trip and fall into the city of Yonkath. However, what I, if I were to put this into the Fae Wild West, I think I would actually make it a physical location and interweave its lore in with the lore of the world that I already have. Mm -hmm. Possibly on a different continent. Oh! Ah, that's true. That could, hey, that could be very fun. That would be very interesting. So, but it's, the, the campaign setting is pretty mutable that way? Yeah. Okay. At least I think so. The campaign goes through uh, October 3rd, uh, October 1st. I have October 1st. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the campaign ends uh, on October 1st. And the way that if you've never backed a Kickstarter before... Uh, is that when you back the project, you don't have to put money up right away. It takes it out at the end of the campaign. So even if you're like waiting on a paycheck to come in or whatever, you can still put your name down and decide how much you want to pledge toward the project. 
yeah. up until the project ends, which is on the first. And as of us recording this, they have $53,485. Woo! Dollars. Nice. So that's really good. They have 23 days to go. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of people backing this. And if they've got, they've gotten that much, I'm guessing they got a lot more in the uh, in the way of stretch goals. And yeah. They actually have a map at the bottom that they're, tells they're you. They are going strong. Yeah, that tells you they've got at least one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 more stretch goals planned. Nice. So if this thing is that detailed right now. I can't wait to see what else they've got in the works. They've got all sorts of things in the works. I'm really interested in what they've got for music because as you know, we try to have a really immersive experience with our music and our sound effects. So that seems like a really cool idea. And I don't think that I've seen anybody do that yet mm-hmm. as far as like releasing content that has like an album attached Like to incorporating it. music. That yeah. is, that's the thing that I'm really excited about is that, incor- that immersion with music. And from a game master or from a, a dungeon master, because this is, if you didn't know, this is a, for 5e, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, as a as a dungeon master, how easy is did this seem to just pick up? Did you have to be like experienced? Did you have to like is this something that you could on your first go round, first or second go round, or do you think people would need to be a little more familiar with how the mechanics work in order to manipulate them? The detail that they've put into this, I think, makes it easy enough for any newer DM to pick it up and run with it. Uh, At the same time, they offer enough flexibility that any seasoned DM could pick it up and twist it in whatever way they want. Excellent. That's always good. Having that flexibility when you've got projects like this, it really helps to be able to manipulate it in case you want to change anything. Or if you don't want to follow the story strictly. Mm-hmm. Like, I've never met anybody who plays the Curse of Strahd without, like, doing something slightly different. Now, Chris, if I wanted to find this fabulous campaign, <laughs> where would I where would I look? Is it Will there be a link in our show notes? There will, in fact, be a link in the show notes. Will we, there be a link on, twi- on our Twitter, on our Facebook? There will, in fact, be a link on our Twitter and Facebook. Thank goodness. As well. Yes. So you can find this at kickstarter.com. They're the Red Opera RPG. We'll also have a link to the studio that's doing this with the, which is Apotheosis Studios. Um, And they'll have all of the information that you need, links to everything that you need to find. And um, I'll also tag Rick. um, Hi, Rick. Hi, Rick. And thank him again. Yes. Thank you, Rick. And yeah, they funded in 40 minutes. It's right on their thing. Nice. I'm very, we're very proud of you. Yes. <laughs> so um, please check out the Red Opera RPG. If you um, if you don't want to back it, at least share it around. Because I know mm-hmm. a lot of people in the D&D circles would be interested in this sort of thing. And we're really excited to to be able to share it with you. Um, I can't, I can't wait to get my hands on it. But thank you all for listening. And we'll move on to our normal scheduled program. But uh, yes, thank you, Rick, for sharing this with us. And uh, thank you for listening. Thanks, everybody. Stay legendary. Bye. Bye.
We strive to make this podcast and story a safe and inclusive place for as many listeners as possible. So if we've missed any content warnings, please feel free to let us know. Content warnings for this episode include mature themes, mentions of violence, mentions of a dead child, and death by dehydration. This takes place in Season 2, Episode 51 in the town of Blackwater. You and Celine are walking back from opening up the river. Water is starting to flow down rapidly, gaining speed as the hole into the Feywild opens up wider for the flow of water. And all of a sudden, the water freezes in its motion. I'm carrying a dead child. Now? It is time. time. If I try and move, I'm not carrying. Mm -mm. Where do I feel it? You actually don't feel it towards the town. Where do I feel it? You feel it north. About a mile. Confused, I start heading that direction. In this form, you cover the ground quickly. And you find him fairly quickly. Sprawled out on the ground. His skin cracked and burned from the sun. His lips are gray peeling his eyes are glassy and his breath his breathing is ragged as he takes his last I don't recognize him do I? no no you don't recognize him at all (sighs) he was a mile away and she walks over to him to the body mm-hmm. and kind of gently shakes the shoulders. He turns and looks at you. Oh. His voice is just cracked and dry. Oh. I can, I, I can still, I know I'm close. You were. Just a little longer. I don't think that's going to be an option this time. <sighs> Why? Why? I don't have an answer for you. What were you doing out in the desert? What was I doing? You're the one coming to get me, shouldn't you know? I'm just a reaper. I go where I'm sent. 
So it's dragged. Couldn't pay my debt. And so they dropped me in the middle of the desert. Said if they ever saw my face in Villeville again, I'd be a dead man. Well, they're right. She tries to help him up. He waves her hand away. <laughs> and struggles to his feet. And looking at him, he may have just died, but really he was dead two days ago. Like even if he had help, yeah. there's nothing. He was gone. Yeah. Dehydration, heat stroke, third degree burns from the sun. Yeah. No protection. The sun out there can get horrible. Yeah. What's your name? Isaac Nichols. Italian. He looks up at you. Reaper. Not the Reaper. Talia smiles. Afraid so. <coughs> Just my luck. You killed my brother. What'd he do? It's part of the Red Tree Gang. So, uh, which one was he? One of the ones that tried to attack us in a cave? On the train. So the one holding people up. No one was supposed to get hurt. Not that that's any real justification. Not particularly, no. How does this work, then? She motions behind him. He turns and looks at the door. Is there a... Is there an option, too? Yeah. Your ghost stays here. The feeling that you're feeling right now just continues. Maybe one day you'll get strong enough for people to see you, but that'll take decades, hundreds of years for any sort of recognition. And by then it'll, you'll either be angry or very, very sad. The result will be the same, though. Someone will find a way to get rid of you. Either by this process, or poofing you out of existence. I'm a fan of this option, personally. Fine. <clears throat> Fine. Fine. I mean, you could look at it this way. 
saves you from having to keep wandering to find it. I'm just so lucky. That used to be my nickname. Lucky? Lucky Isaac. Irony. Guess my luck ran out. Never had much luck to begin with. So I'll take your word for it. She motions to the door. He's given the door like a stink eye look, but he follows and like starts heading to the door. She follows behind him in an escorting like fashion. Mm -hmm. Just as he's about to step through the door, he turns and looks at you. Case has any confusion. Fuck you. I've heard worse. Now get in before I kick you in. He steps through. I'm still confused how I get back at this point. Do I just will myself back? And as you're thinking about it, you kind of just dissolve back to your body. My step hitches slightly because I was mid-walk. Yeah. That is the weirdest fucking thing. And I see Selene going to talk to Mon. Mm -hmm. And she looks at the river. And I do my best to shake it off. Thank you for listening to some of our extra content before the start of Season 3. The Feywild West Season 3 will premiere on October 5th for our patrons and October 7th for the public. In the meantime, head over to all of our social media pages to see all the fun things we'll have as extras for August and September. If you ever want to chat with us and some other really amazing people, join us on Discord. We have a memes chat and everything. Stay legendary.